0: which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. I'm Isabel. And welcome to the first ever episode of our Bravo Breakdown. How do you feel? I feel like we kind of waited our whole lives for this, Isabel.
1: I really do. It was kind of like
0: beshared. I opened my drawer
1: to get my headphones and I saw an article I wrote in like sophomore year of high school about Bravo. And I was like, oh my God, we're about to record our episode. So that was really crazy.
0: This is a perfect example of speaking it into existence. You and I talked about this when you first officially joined the CBC team, January, 2019. And we were like, we were going to have our own Bravo episode. And here we are. I feel really grateful same. I'm so excited. And we could not have asked for a better week to start. Seriously. And I also want to just say thank you to all of you guys, because we had asked a couple episodes ago, your opinions on us doing this and everybody was really enthusiastic. And we appreciate that because we are so excited. So let me just first explain to you guys how this is going to go down because it's a little bit different than our normal episodes. Um, But I think just, you know, clearing it up will make sense. So If you guys are avid listeners to our normal podcast, you know that we have a very extensive outline every week, and that's because on Monday's episodes, we're talking about stories, so we want to have all the facts in front of us, and then when we recap Kardashians, we're doing it scene by scene, so we basically transcribe the episodes. The first thing I want to say here is that, and I've said this before, but just to make it very clear, these are not going to be recaps. We are kind of assuming that if you are listening to this, you've watched the episodes, you're fully caught up and you just cannot get enough. You wanna discuss, you wanna analyze and that's why you're here. There are a lot of other podcasts that do amazing recaps but for Bravo, that's just not what we're doing here. So what Isabel and I are doing differently than what Julie and I do because of the content is we did not send each other our outlines. So we both have separate notes and we genuinely have not spoken about these episodes yet which I think, don't you agree, just kind of adds a different element to it.
1: I mean, it drives me crazy in the moment, but I, it's so worth it when we sit down to record. So worth it.
0: And the other thing that I want to say is, of course, this episode is dropping on Friday this week. It made the most sense with Beverly Hills reunion and the finale of New York. And we also didn't get to, to discuss Potomac last week. But as the weeks change, as the new franchises come in, just be flexible with us. We're still figuring this out. We're still figuring out the best day. And I don't know, Is I'm so happy. Are you ready? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. Everyone was so excited about us doing this and I'm ready. I'm ready as all ever me. I know. Okay. So I want you to take it away. I just want to first tell everyone we're doing New York, then Beverly Hills, and then we're ending on Potomac. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay. Take us away with New York.
1: Oh God. New York finale.
0: I mean, going into
1: this, it was like bittersweet because it was, we knew it was Dorinda's last episode. So I kind of was watching it through the lens of not having a closer eye on her, but just being so much more aware of her scenes and when she was on and kind of thinking about everything she's brought to the show, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I want to say, first of all, I think it was kind of full circle to have her in her old apartment renovating it, full circle moment. I mean, she's talking about how she's excited for 2020, which obviously we all just can laugh at. But this is so niche, but
0: Luke, the guy who is with her, do you recognize him? Can I tell you something? I did and I cannot pinpoint it. Oh my God. Okay, Luke Henderson. He
1: was Caroline Stanberry on Ladies of London's Best Friend. He's a hair and makeup artist, which by the way, side note, two in one is like amazing. He was Caroline Sanbury's like sidekick all of her, both of her seasons of Ladies of London. And I just love that now he's in New York and he's Dorinda's sidekick. I just like, that's the kind of thing that as a Bravo watcher, you just feel so good about seeing him and knowing. And I love when a familiar face just pops up.
0: Wow, that was a great call. It was driving me crazy. I was not a loyal Ladies of London watcher, but I watched it enough to know his face. Thank you for that.
1: I'm telling you right now on this podcast so that you're held accountable, we are watching both seasons and doing a full recap because it is low-key one of the best shows that's ever been on Bravo, and it just deserves that, our attention. Absolutely. Okay. So remember last week we were saying like, sometimes Luann feels like she's our narrator of the show. She's the sane one. And then all of a sudden she switches gears and we're like, oh my God, she's our captain. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. this episode, her delusion was just really on show. Didn't you feel like? I had so many moments where I was like, oh
0: God, like this is who we're following right now. well, first of all, I so relate to that. And the other thing is that it's this real kind of issue that I have internally because I like so support the fact that she feels so confident in her craft and I love it for her and she's made a career out of it but then there's the other side of me which is like how do you want me to trust what you're saying when you are not viewing this as delusional (laughs) listen if it makes her feel good and she is
1: really committed to her craft I mean you know what in the words of Ramona Singer, we got to be women supporting women. But there is just something so hysterical about it. Like, this is the kind of shit you just can't write.
0: No, you absolutely cannot write it. And thank God.
1: I mean, thank God. Also, this was like such a weird thing. But Leah, when she was in the car with her sister and her friend Robin, I kind of had a moment where I was like, is this the future kind of cast that we're going to get? Like these cool downtown leah types i honestly felt like they were almost teasing us like robin is going to be holding an apple next season and i was like you know what i kind of like it she felt like a cindy bar shop leah bethany kind of type even though i think she probably said three words i was just like building a whole story for her in my head i don't know why but i just
0: was Well, you may have been coming off of the articles about all the speculation with Leah's sister joining. I'm not saying that that's happening, but people are talking about it. I don't know. I like the juxtaposition between the Upper East Siders who are terrified to go downtown and then Leah, you know, who kind of is is so in that vibe. I like the mix of the two.
1: Right. I do too. It's really important. Okay. Now, this is the main event. (sighs)
0: Sonya's
1: drag queen party for Glad. First of all, such a nice party. Good for you, Sonia. I love when she pulls things off, like when she had her Century 21 um, release party and it went so well. I just like, I just cheer her on. And I think anytime she's successful, it's really fun to watch.
0: Also, another
1: random ass niche thing is anyone who watched America's Next Top Model Corey Ward was there. I don't remember if he won or came runner up, but he literally was the star of the show sitting next to Sonia and Dorinda all night. He knew what he was doing, getting his screen time. And I, another thing, I just love when we see these background characters and I'm like, hey, I know you.
0: Oh, I, it's kind of like when Joyce Benelli, Kardashian's makeup artist, shows up on, on as an Erica's glam team. Love to see right. it. And they don't make a big deal of it, but we just, we know. Like, yeah. we know what's going on. Exactly.
1: Ramona. Obviously, fucking shows up with a tall, dark man in his 60s, straight guy, because of course, why wouldn't she? And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" By the way, everyone Ramona dates and brings around looks exactly the same. Don't you think?
0: I could not pick them out of a lineup. I got to tell you something. It is it, it, it's actually it's actually remarkable. It, it's almost impressive, you know? Although, may I just say, and I guess He's been around for a while. Clearly, I, I know, you know, they flash back to Leah kind of calling him out for sleeping with her friend a couple of episodes ago. So fine, I get that he's in it. He's not like some person that's new to the housewives. Although if you're going to get mad at someone, it was Ramona's doing for bringing him. Meanwhile, I kind of felt a little bad for the guy. Like she walks in and they're all shitting on him for being there or shitting on Ramona for bringing him. And it's like, he didn't do this on purpose. He just happens to be here. He may be a little bit of a sleazebag, fine. But you don't need to make him feel so unwelcomed. I don't know, maybe that was just me. I know. And
1: yes, I hundred percent agree. And also, there was nothing more classic than Sony being like, Have I made out with you before? He's like, Yeah, we made out six years ago at boutique, and she literally plants a kiss on him before knowing whether Ramona was there with him as a, a full date or just a platonic friend. That is just that's like the shit we live for. That's New York in a nutshell to me.
0: In a nutshell. Truly.
1: Another thing another thing on the subject of him is a recurring theme in New York is that they literally do not understand the physicality and the meaning of when someone has a microphone and is giving a speech that all eyes are on them. And like, you can't interrupt. Like Sony's literally giving a speech and she makes like a little offhanded quip about like, I don't know why he brought a straight guy. Everyone's eyes are on her. The room is dead silent. Ramona starts storming up and being like, no, no, no. Look at the email. You said this, this is, I just don't understand how many times this can possibly happen in one single franchise. Well, someone, uh, someone needs to explain speeches and
0: microphones to them. I want to just make a PowerPoint. No, first of all, they, the women of New York treat microphones like a suggestion. Like, <laughs> hmm. like they a little suggestion to maybe stop talking. It is, And by the way, it's not just Ramona. It is every single one of them. I don't know what it is. If I wasn't from New York. I would think that it was a New York thing, but it's not. It is yeah. strictly Housewives of New York thing. It makes for excellent television, so I'm not complaining, but you are so right. It is a very weird social kind of lack of social cue thing that happens totally.
1: So then I I look at the clock and it's there's still six minutes after the episode but they start doing those title cards you know talking about where the women are now in current time none of them were that exciting i think when bravo invented those however many years ago 10 plus years ago it was before social media so they would say blah 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 and she's expecting her daughter's expecting her first baby or and she signed a book deal and now she has a prosecco coming out whatever and those things would be shocking to us as viewers because we have been watching them on camera, but we have no idea what's really going on with them in real time. I feel like now it's a little bit harder because I literally know what Ramona ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and what shoes she's wearing to dinner tonight. So the the cards that pop up on the screen telling us what's going on are like, eh, that was just something interesting how they've evolved over time because I remember watching older seasons and like pausing them to read them and make sure I didn't miss one because they were so interesting. And now they're just like, yeah, she's working on her book, which we already knew. Or she making funny like remarks about them?
0: Yes. Well, two things really quickly. Number one, the epitome of that is OG, Real houses of Orange County back to Gina and Tammy, and that is the only way we found out anything in their lives, including Lynn when her house was being evicted. That's number one. And number two, now it's a lot more just on the writing and to kind of make it a little bit more humorous, but I will just say, let's just lay it, out, lay, lay it all out on the table here. The entire episode, the first maybe 51 minutes, were pretty subpar if we're being honest. Maybe I'll give it to them, say, 45. Once Ramona showed up with the guy, it kind of got more fun, but we were all watching that saying This episode is a means to an end. Yeah, I like seeing Sony's townhouse as much as the next guy, but this is not a finale. I'm not complaining because those last 10 minutes brought it to a level that I did not even expect, but the rest of the episode isn't even worth discussing, really.
1: No, I agree. So they put these title cards up, and I look at my sister, and I'm like, there's still six minutes left. And then I was like, wait, that whole thing about Tinsley. And then in the most crazy, almost seamless transition... They're standing in a circle. Ramona's... you know, They always do like an end-of-the-season moment where they have a toast. They get all the women in a circle, and Ramona's like, we've evolved so much. And Sonya's like, we're not sex in the city. We're not absolutely fab. We're fucking nuts, which I just loved. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Leah, you, you feel that she's trying to make such a nice comment about... Obviously, she really loves these women, and you can feel that energy from her. She's like... Tinsley introduced me to you guys, and before the next word could even get out of her mouth, Dorinda, I want to say, jump down her throat doesn't even describe what happened, saying, sorry, fuck you, I will not give Tinsley that. Tinsley did shit. Tinsley almost ruined our show. You're going to give a toast to Tinsley Mortimer, who left the show and breached her contract? You don't mention her name. I'm a principal
0: person. Uh, Isabel? I... I, and we have seen Dorinda act absolutely outrageous for the entire season. When I saw this, I was shocked. My jaw was on the floor. I don't know, maybe my expectations were too high, but I know other people were having this reaction too because Twitter tonight was out of control. That was the most unaware reaction I have ever seen, potentially top 10 moments in all Housewives history.
1: It was just, I felt so blindsided in a way because I get it. Dorinda, for some unknown reason, Absolutely. With every cell of her body hates Tinsley. Fine. You don't have to like everybody. You're allowed to hate people. I get it, whatever. But it felt like we'd simmered down from that. Tinsley is not even in the city or the state. And we haven't spoken about her, I guess, on camera, at least in so long that I felt like bringing up her name and going and talking about how, which is a fact that she introduced Leah to these women would be such a trigger to her was so confusing and honestly bizarre. And I understand Dorinda when she's drunk clearly does not have the same thought process or any behavioral expectations that she does when she's sober. But this was just a next level and going off. I mean, by the way, this is her what fifth or sixth season to go so breaking the fourth wall, which I feel like they're kind of program not to do talking about how tinsley breached her contract and that that's why she's so upset with her and how she's such a terrible first person she left us and she's a bitch when by the way you fucking hated her when she was on the show that this has nothing to do with it it was like it was
0: wild to say the least wait first of all if you and i are sitting here and we feel like we were blindsided number one imagine leah here she is like the issue that I think is really being lost in all of this, and this is what I want to spend the bulk of our New York conversation on, because I cannot stop thinking about this. It also, I mean, granted, this just happened in, literally an hour and a half ago, and we're recording it live, which, by the way, we should always do it like this. Amazing. Like, right, have I'm to have so this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm so fired up. But what? Like, take away anything. Leah was literally just speaking about the logical process of how she got there. She was factually introduced by Tinsley. So, it, There was no other way that she could have explained that. And Dorinda, I saw a really funny meme tonight and it was like a picture of Tinsley and it was like live photo of Tinsley living rent-free in Dorinda's head, which is exactly what's going on here how are you so triggered by a woman that quite literally has nothing to do with you anymore? It makes me think, Isabel, it really genuinely makes me think, and maybe this is just me trying to cling on to any hope that Dorinda isn't going in this down spiral that I that it seems that she is, it makes me almost think, Is did something happen that no one knows about? Like, is there going to be a Denise Brandy situation? Not that, but I'm saying something come out of how Tinsley so badly fucked over Dorinda, because what could she have done besides being, yes, she's fucking annoying, fine, that Is so terrible. What could have happened?
1: I had that same thought process too. The fact that Dorinda got so angry. I was like, there has to be something else. There just has to be. But then I also was thinking if there was something else, no matter what it is, we could sit here and dream up a hundred things. There is absolutely no way that Dorinda in these moments wouldn't pull it out of her hat. And wouldn't reveal it to us. The exact same way that any time Luanne starts mentioning anything about drinking, she'll pull out Luanne's headshot or her mugshot, or not her headshot, her mugshot <laughs> and her arrest, and use it against her. Like she has no problem doing that. And I think her gut reaction in these moments is to pull out the meanest shit that she can think of, and it would be literally impossible for her to have kept it in this long with how many fights she's had to Tinsley's face and other people's faces.
0: No, I agree with you. Like honestly, I don't think there is anything, but just if we like let's just all, you and me and also anybody listening, just for a second, let's just entertain this idea because I saw it a lot and I was thinking the same thing and then I saw people tweeting it. Maybe, because I agree with you, there's no way if it was something that was so bad about Tinsley, just about Tinsley, that Dorinda wouldn't have said it because as we know, Dorinda has no problem really hitting below the belt. But hypothetically, okay, what if this thing that may or may not exist has to do with something that Tinsley did to Dorinda that Dorinda is so embarrassed about or feels so shameful about that she can't even say. It probably didn't happen, but I would be lying if I said to you that that wasn't going through my head because it is abnormal. It is actually like borderline really seriously concerning how how the mention of someone's name can elicit that type of reaction. Yeah. And oh, in- by the way, By the way, it's like... You can't act as if we don't know who this person is. It's Tinsley. Yes, she's by no means a star, but she's harmless. Right. Yeah. There's so many
1: letters to it. You know how many women over all these seasons of all these different franchises have fucking hated someone with all of their guts and women have done really terrible, nasty, backhanded, shady things, they still don't react like that about someone. They still show up to the reunion with this person. They still, even the meanest things that you could possibly think of, I have seen women move on from, which I'm not saying they, everyone needs to. That really takes a specific kind of person. But I have never seen someone react so terribly about someone else even when there is actual meat to the issue so then to see her act like this when first of all it just tinsley is like such an un i don't she's not a confrontational person so imagining her doing something that warrants this kind of behavior is very hard so then for there not even to be anything for her to to be upset about it's like what the fuck is going
0: on I, I can't. I'm so upset about it. Like, And I know we obviously are going to get into this separately in a second, but I was really happy in that one little clip of the preview that we get when we see Tinsley confronting Dorinda and saying, you know, this is too little too late. I am by no, no longer am I going to be your punching bag. And yeah, she left the season fine. And yes, she's six feet apart. So she's kind of safe. <laughs> Dorinda actually <laughs> physically can't hurt her because I would have been afraid of that. But I was happy for her. There is apps to me. And I'm the first one to think that housewives should, if they can accept the other one's apologies. No, Dor- t- as far as I'm concerned, if I'm Tinsley, Dorinda Medley is dead to me, dead to me. Wow. It's true. <laughs> I mean- fuck? like, come on. Right.
1: Honestly, it would be such a bad look and it would be so disingenuous for Tinsley to accept her apology. It's not like she said one mean thing and she's saying, I shouldn't have said that. That was rude of me. It is just a full, deep rooted hatred. You can't apologize for that. Like it's clearly how you feel. And she's done things repeatedly to be so mean to Tinsley to insult her, insult her relationship, insult her age, her potential fertility or being a mother, her wealth, her childhood, things that are so mean for nothing. You shouldn't You shouldn't bring up any of those things regardless. And then to not even have a motive behind it, I just, you're right. It's completely unforgivable.
0: Can we just for one second, because since it goes so effortlessly in what you were saying, not that this is true, cause, or apparently not true since Andy de- debunked it in his comment, but let's just explain the theory that was circulating regarding the turkey baster comment?
1: Yeah. So there was for a hot second, a page six article, and I guess it had come from some source or rumor that after Dorinda made the comment about Tinsley using a turkey baster to get pregnant when she was going on one of her rampages against her, that that comment is what Basically, set Andy over the edge and they said she needs to be fired. So, that page six posted the article with a picture of Andy, a picture of Dorinda, and they wrote the jokes on her. It was an off color quip hashtag Dorinda Manley made that offended Andy Cohen that led to her firing. Link in our bio for the comment that broke the camel's back. Andy just commented, This is not true. And I think after seeing tonight's episode and hearing some of the discussion about her behavior, we know that. Well, this comment probably wasn't it wasn't like he heard this comment and said no she's out, but I do think that it was a a a part of it. It it was definitely like it wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was like a piece of straw on the pile.
0: Right. Like there was definitely one of the straws. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I mean, what else is there to say on that? <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I mean, one more thing on Tinsley, I just to end on like not such a sad note, is Leah spent her birthday with Tinsley and Scott and her daughter in Chicago this weekend. They p- flew private together. Tinsley bought her a pink Chanel bag. And I kind of am happy that they're still such good friends, especially because Leah also is still seemingly such good friends with Luann and Elise And Sonia, so that just makes me feel good that their friendship was able to like make it through this season, which is seems really hard. It was a hard season for Tinsley. It was Leah's first season. I think if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything.
0: Yeah. And also, by the way, Leah was in a really uncomfortable position repeatedly because out of the entire group, Dorinda and Luann were the two that she was the closest with. Sonia towards the end, yeah. But those were the two that she was the closest with. Meanwhile, Dorinda was also the one that hated Tinley the most. And I happen to think that Leah, who sometimes can be a little bit, um, I don't know if you would say abrasive, but maybe blunt, which isn't a bad thing at all. I thought that she handled this kind of uncomfortable situation really gracefully. Like I thought she was able to maintain her relationship with Zorinda, maintain it with Tinsley and glide through that almost seemingly effortlessly, which I think is impressive.
1: Me too. Really like amazing. Okay. Are you ready to move on to Beverly Hills reunion part one?
0: I'm obviously the most ready I've ever been, but, and I want you to fully take the floor. I want to just like get something out because I don't know if you're feeling the same way, but I feel like it's important to say, I am still, I know this was last night, I am still processing what I think about everything. The more stuff that comes out on social media, you know, a day later you're thinking about it, but I kind of just want to point out something, which is that something I really appreciate about Bravo Connoisseurs, like the people that are the diehard Bravo people is you can be so hard in one housewives corner yet you still are open to discussion where in the mainstream celebrity world, that doesn't happen as much when you're like a quote, Stan of someone, a lot of times it's really hard to even be open to the other side. And something that I appreciate it so much about like our Bravo followers is they may really dislike Kyle or really dislike Denise yet. They can still look at the picture from a full kind of bird's eye view and like, list out little things. And that's what I want to get across here. Like, I just want to talk about it. I don't even know what's right and what's wrong. I just want to talk about it. And I want people's opinions.
1: I agree. It's impossible. We're only seeing so much of the story. We've only known some of these housewives for a couple of seasons. And also when you see reunions chopped up like this, first of all, there's footage we're not seeing, but also we've only seen part one of a long, long, lengthy conversation that all is happening at once. So it's really hard to kind of see the full picture. it just it's so hard because I will think one thing while I'm watching, and then I'll go online and I'll read other things. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of that. And then I'll sleep on it. And then the next day I'm like, you know what? This didn't sit right with me. So you're right. My opinion's evolving, and I like that everyone is able to recognize that their opinion is evolving. And Completely. I mean, some people aren't, by the way. Like some people literally just hate people, and that's fine. But I agree. It's, it's more of an open dialogue than most other discussions.
0: Yes. As someone who's okay. done this stream, I, this, this brings me joy. So yes. Okay. You take it away.
1: Okay. I was nervous about having the reunion filmed on zoom. I thought, well, it wasn't zoom. It was like, it was the equivalent of what camping is to glamping. Whatever this was, was like what that is to zoom. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like this was like the most glamorous type of zoom I've ever seen. And I really feel like we didn't lose anything. If anything, I honestly think we it was better. We had eyes on everyone at all times. Everyone was in a way behind a screen. The thing that we always hate where People on Twitter get Twitter fingers and they're comfortable to say whatever they want. Commenters on Instagram can feel like they have a screen protecting them. They could say whatever they want. I felt like the women were a little more gutsy because they weren't sitting right in front of them face to face. They were in their own houses and it was on a screen and they kind of were like, I'm not going to hold back. They It just gave like an extra protection layer, but in a good way where I really felt like they weren't afraid to say something straight to someone's face. Did you feel like that too? Like, I just loved it. I thought it was great. I wish we could
0: do them all like this. First of all, I obviously couldn't agree more. The only time it was frustrating was when everyone was talking over each other, which barely happened. And also in a regular reunion, you can't see everybody's face at once. So being able to see Sutton's eye rolls and Erica's, you know, looks, that was something that you probably would not have gotten in a regular reunion. So I was grateful for it.
1: I agree. I think now they're going to start having a camera on each woman even when they're in person and having the split screen six ways like that like Brady Bunch style because there was so much that we got from that that we never would have gotten before.
0: Completely agree.
1: So the way I want to go through this is kind of Andy segments up the topics he wants to discuss and I feel like we should just go through it that way so that we don't miss anything. Completely. Okay, number one. They... Do Garcel's package as her new housewife, her best moments, our intro to her, which I love seeing the throwback of her first scene and her introducing herself because I felt so young and naive at the time. And I feel like I really know her now. So seeing that played back, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I thought of her. Completely. Was really interesting. And they had a discussion about her first season and, of course, her being the first Black housewife on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and kind of just what that means for the franchise. The franchise is in history and her being a housewife at this time in America, how it just all kind of came to be at the same time, I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, she just brings a perspective that the other women simply can't. And she's just so Listen, it's not that I agree with every single thing Garcelle does, which I'm sure we'll get into, but I really just like her as a person. And also, there's only one other housewife in the history of the entire franchises that I feel this way about, and it is Giselle of Potomac, where I sometimes find myself, I zone out for a second because I can't get over how gorgeous Garcelle is. Like, And listen, that outfit, it's not that that was my favorite outfit in the world, but she is so strikingly beautiful in a way that I... Think about how many people you see on TV all day, every day, but there is just something about her that is, it's magnificent.
1: Yeah. No, she's beyond stunning. It's yeah. It's really, its she's so fun to watch too. Yeah. So they kind of got into discussion about her first season, how she feels. And the main thing that was brought up was her sort of just she doesn't like Kyle and that's fine. And the reasons that she kind of gets into are that she feels Kyle glazes over her, doesn't really give her the time of day. And Kyle fought back and was like, well, I thought we were having fun. I invited you to my house multiple times to try and get to know you. And they kind of flash back to different scenes where they were getting along. And they also flash back to Garcella and watch what happens live when she said Kyle was the least inviting, which when I watched that in real time, I think it was after the first episode. I, and I was like obsessed with Garcelle already. And I love Kyle. I do. I was so upset that they weren't getting along. And I was like, Oh God, like what is going to happen? And we sort of waited all season and nothing really happened. I think that it's like a two way street. And from Garcelle's end, it doesn't, it just doesn't click with her, with Kyle. And then Kyle brought up the Children's Hospital event drama.
0: Okay, hold on. I cannot wait to get into that, but I have one quick thing to ask you. Yes. When Andy pulled out the most, you know, classic thing, as he does, a watch what happens, uh, watch what happens live kind of comment that Garcelle made, saying that Kyle was the least welcoming, and asked her response. And when Garcelle basically said, listen, she was just the first, she was just the first person that came to mind. It's not that I don't believe her. Like I think Garcelle is very blunt and would absolutely say whatever she meant. But I was a little bit confused by that because it's like if that really is the truth, and if you don't, if you don't actually believe that Kyle was the least welcoming, and it was just kind of something you said in the moment, then how is that that same exact thing continued throughout the rest of the season? And I understand there were different things about Kyle that were upsetting to her, which is completely valid. But I was just I felt like that was glazed over too quickly. Of like wait a second, like that can't be the entire argument if you're just saying that it was a slip up. There has to be something else. And if there is, that's fine. But you can't say you didn't remember anyone else's name, but also
1: I do think Kyle's the least welcoming. Like you gotta just, at that point, own it. It's a game. And the reason it was weird and the reason they even brought it up because Andy plays shady games on the show all the time and they rarely bring them up because people who are feuding will pick who they're feuding with. But it was it blindsided Kyle where she was like, what? Like, what did I ever do to you? That's why it became a point of discussion.
0: Yes. No, no, totally. And I want to, let's get into the charity thing. You explain it. I have so much to say. You start.
1: So basically, Kyle, you can kind of tell she had been waiting to pull this out as a point to make, said that Garcelle came to the Children's Hospital event, which we saw that amazing event. Chris Jenner was there, gave 25 grand that Garcelle raised her paddle to um, bid, not bid, say she promised a donation of $5,000, which is standard at charity events. People raise it for a hundred thousand, five thousand, 5000 whatever. And Kyle's point, and oh, and Kyle says, and you never paid it. And the way it works at these events is they, come, they get your information after you pledge, and then you're supposed to pay either that night, the next day, and they make sure that you do so that you're not just, It basically so that you follow through. And Kyle's point in bringing this up was you on camera held your paddle up and pledged this money and then never paid it, thinking that there was malintent behind it to appear a certain way on camera during the event and then not actually follow through. When we come to find out, it kind of just slipped through the cracks.
0: Let me tell you something, Okay. I, like Kyle, this was absolutely uncalled for. This was bullshit, quite frankly. Number one, I have worked so many charity events. This is one of the most common things ever. That is why when you're working an event, the first thing that they say to you when you're kind of the person that's doing the raffle or whatever it is, you say, you get those person's information before they leave. Because so many times this happens. Not because there's any sort of malintent, just because these people that are at these events are very busy, have very successful lives, and they get caught up and things get... Slip through the cracks as Garcelle said. And for me, 100% Kyle had been planning this the entire time. And you know something? Choose something better. Kyle, you are smarter than this. That was bullshit. And Garcelle, rightfully so, was absolutely blown away because if Kyle was so upset about the $5,000, that is something she should have said in private. I get that it's a show. I totally get it. I'm all for airing the drama out when it's necessary this was not it. I'm sorry. I love Kyle. This was so not it. And Garcelle's reaction on the reunion, I think was completely valid. Her kind of total shock and disbelief and feeling attacked. And then the way that she explained it very honestly in her story being like, yeah, she was right. It did slip through the cracks. Clearly that's not me. Don't attack my integrity. I thought it was below the belt. And I actually thought that it made Kyle look worse, which is upsetting because that's, she, that's not her. Do better.
1: Right. I felt like there was no beef between them, which was Kyle's whole whole argument was nothing bad has happened between us. Why do you hate me so much? So then for her to make a comment, now she's just adding fuel to the fire and giving Garcelle ammo to hate her even more. And to bring up something, it just felt like kind of icky to bring up anything children's hospital and charity related, which is supposed to be such a good thing. And listen, I'm sure there are people there who raise their paddle for 10 grand, not even on camera, just for the people around them to think that they have money. There's so many politics that go into this, but to bring it up on camera when she easily could have talked about it with her a different time, or she had other opportunities to bring it up to her and never had was just like, it felt, it felt really wrong and attacking on Garcelle's character and trying to prove a point that she's a phony when, it came out really not making Kyle look good. And what Emma mentioned before is that Garcelle went on Instagram today on her stories and made a whole story basically saying, I got called out last night. It did get slipped through the cracks. She has so much going on. She obviously didn't do that on purpose. Why wouldn't she pay for something that she bid for? And she did make the bid. And then Kyle posted a story. That says, yeah. I would like to address my calling out Garcelle at the reunion over her not paying her donation to Children's Hospital. To be clear, everyone who made a donation at my event paid that night, which by the way, I find very hard to believe. There were multiple attempts to reach out to Garcelle that were left unanswered. My point was just to be Genuine. Don't do things just for the cameras. Whether it's picking an unwarranted fight with me or making a quote donation to a charity that is important to my family and me. There was zero pressure to donate. Garcelle has since paid her donation and I'm grateful to her and the others that helped us raise almost half a million dollars from that night. So that was one thing and literally while we were recording this someone tweeted that that picture of Kyle's story and wrote, Hey Kyle, you saw Garcelle numerous times over the course of a season. If there were quote, numerous attempts to reach out to her, why didn't you just say something to her when you saw her in person? That's an honest question. And Garcelle replied, she's full of shit. So clearly this hasn't been figured out in real time. I mean, the reunion was not that long ago, but it's just, it feels really shitty
0: it feels shitty. Like, listen, let's move on. There, there's nothing else to say, but I would have been so unbelievably pissed if I was Garcelle. She, she's a good person. The last thing she's going to do is screw the children's hospital just for $5,000 on camera. Get get the fuck over it. Pick another battle. Kyle, you are yeah. smart than this. You've been in this game for too fucking long and you are smarter and classier than to hit below the belt in a way that is just non-existent. I was team Garcelle on that one all day. Yeah,
1: I so agree. Okay, the next section that Andy moved on to was Sutton as a new housewife, friend of housewife. She basically got the same package treatment as Garcelle because, as we know, Sutton was fully intended to be a full housewife, but she had some issues with her ex-husband showing her kids on camera, and I guess they felt like they couldn't give her the diamond and really go deep into her personal life without having her kids in certain restrictions. So they really did treat her like a full housewife, and. When they gave this plot, when they gave this package showing her season, she's a really sideline commentator that I liked having there. Honestly, I think she brought a lot of funny moments to the show, but the only real plot line that concerned her was this weird incident between her and Dorit that happened before Delilah and Amelia's party, which honestly I'd forgotten about already and reliving it. It was even weirder than the
0: first time. I I hated this. I hated every second of this. This, like, was, this was, for for someone who has had as good of a season as Dorit, in my opinion, and who has redeemed herself in so many ways, the lack of like awareness that she showed and like the lack of compassion in this whole thing was so bizarre. Sutton was just like very silently kind of confiding in her. And, and Dorit made it seem like Sutton was about to light the place on fire. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like, it was even
1: more bizarre the second time. And Dorit usually, I feel like, has... A really good head on her shoulders. She's usually really pragmatic, and this was so weird. Sutton was worried that Joey Maloof, who another fucking character who used to be Rachel Zoe's sidekick, it always comes back to the glam. He has beat her, and him have some beef. I think it was over some business arrangement, money, whatever. They don't like each other, and obviously they have some awkward tension. And she realized that Joey sometimes does Rinna's makeup and Delilah and Amelia's makeup, and it occurred to her on the bus that, oh shit, maybe he's here. And very calmly, silently, she's like, oh, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Basically, like, if he's here, I'm going to freak out. Sutton has literally never raised her voice higher than the octave that she would speak to someone next to the dinner table. She has her legs crossed at all times. She is not what I would consider a loose cannon where I would see the reason that Dorit would need to be so concerned that she was going to fucking ruin this party. Like it was so weird. And the main point that Sutton, that Dorit would refuse to basically apologize for is that after the party's over and they go to dinner, she, Dorit brings it up and nothing happened at the party. Like why bring it up at the dinner when what you were worried about
0: literally didn't happen? It was so weird. And can I ask you a question just in general about Sutton? I need to, I need to, I need, we have not discussed this because we were really holding so hard and it's been over 24 hours and I'm going crazy. Okay. The way that I felt in this Sutton's kind of representation on the reunion was the fact that, and this is just like, but I kind of made up in my head. I feel like now that the time has passed, the entire season has come out, she's seen what's been said about her online. And I think she may have gotten the understanding that the perception of her was that she was a little bit weak or a little bit delicate or a little bit wasn't able to kind of keep up with the big dogs. And I think that she decided that she was going to come into this reunion and really convey this sense of, asserting herself and dominance and take no bullshit almost to the point where it seemed like she was putting on a facade whether or not that's the true her I don't know I don't know her well enough but that was kind of the vibe that I got like she was like taking no bullshit and my first question to you is did you get that same vibe where she was almost overcompensating for perhaps the way that she felt she was received this season? And my second question to you is, after Dorit apologized, do you think that Sutton was justified in the way that she responded to that? Or do you think that she kind of just should have said, listen, you're apologizing now and all all's said and done?
1: I mean, I yes, I do think Sutton came in guns blazing. I think she saw all the footage. She felt empowered by knowledge and by being there, having a moment to not have to interrupt anyone. She could say her piece. I think she, I totally, it was like a new woman and I loved it. Um, and I do, I like, I think she probably would be like, what the fuck Dorit? Like, what do you have against me? Why was that necessary? Dorit's back was against the wall because watching the footage back, even she could see how weird it was and how malintended it looked like to make Sutton look crazy and that she had done something bad when, Genuinely, nothing happened. Like I think they would not even have aired Sutton saying that if it hadn't become a thing later. It was so might It was just so small, minuscule of a thing. And Doreen was just like trying to make it happen. It was just not fucking happening. And I get it. Sutton was pissed. Was like, why are you purposely trying to make me look bad? I agree. And Sutton's like, why? Why do I have to put up with this? I'm better than that.
0: Hmm. Hear you. Agree. And also, by the way, nothing happened. If that was really your concern, it didn't matter because it was over and everything was fine. It it almost to me was like taking advantage of someone confiding in you. I don't know. It was weird. Anyway, continue. Sorry. I just had to.
1: Last thing about Sutton's package, I want to say, they get into her whole thing with Teddy. That's also her plot line about how she just like thought Teddy was, when she said she was going to be boring and pregnant and all, which I think was honestly just a weird misunderstanding and, and Teddy not understanding Sutton's humor yet, Teddy being a little sensitive. But the line of honestly the whole episode to me was, are you going to let my small disdain for your clothes get in the way of our friendship? That's silly. I just about- like, that's that's literally Sutton earned her contract with that line.
0: And Erica goes, ooh, she said disdain.
1: (laughs) I just laughing because like, honestly, that just kind of feels like us. Like, are you going to let like my small disdain for the bags you wear, the shoes you choose, like get in the way of our friendship? It just, was like, I just felt like, I was like, yes, Sutton, I get you. I feel you, I get you.
0: Yeah, that was, I can't even express to you how, I actually paused it, went back and just rewatched that one line because it gave me such a sense of serotonin.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was fucking amazing. Amazing. Okay. Denise fucking Richards. I mean, this section to me is... Erica was really quiet the first half of the episode. Obviously, it wasn't a lot of things that concerned her, so she didn't have much to say. But when they opened the floodgates about Denise, Erica woke up. This was absolutely wild. First, they start talking about just the overall sexual discussions that have gone on this season and the whole, another ridiculous plot of Denise being so mad and upset with the women for talking about threesomes at dinner when her kids were at the next table. And the woman being like, now after seeing how her daughter didn't care, which I get, you can still be mad whether your daughter cared or not. I don't think that was the real issue. But they were like, you set the tone. You are not like, a complete prude or say, I really don't want to speak about sex around my kids or at my home or on my, you set the tone so that you made your bed, we're gonna lie in it.
0: I agree with you. I I don't know. I see both sides. Because on one hand, it's like, Denise, you literally set this up at the same time, they were accusing her of dragging it out. Meanwhile, they were dragging out to the whole thing. It's so hard when this happens because there are such good plot lines. And this just like wasn't one of them. I thought both parties were in the wrong and I just wanted to move past this.
1: I agree. And Erica was like, the whole thing was really frustrating. She was trying to make us as a group look bad. You were upset enough to pull me aside and take her to coffee when they go on that coffee date. And Denise is like, listen, you guys really hurt me. I guess my kids for doing this. Um, and Erica's like, I was okay with being singled out and I apologize. But then you took it to Teddy and Sutton, like, you're right. She kept dragging it on. And Teddy's like, yeah, you were trying to make us all look like assholes. Like that they had done something so terrible. They were bad mothers, bad friends. And Denise is like, Erica, did you take it that I was upset with you? And Erica's like, am I on another planet? Like you literally sat me down and explained how upset you were. Like, what the fuck? Like, that was a moment where it just felt like they, Erica was so aware that they were literally speaking two different languages. And while it was about this one topic, it was just like the overall theme of like, we are not on the same page at all about anything.
0: They could not have been less on the same page. And that's my thing. And and I was seeing this, on, and I know we're going to talk about this in a second, but like I was seeing this so much in the comments and I really was trying to read everything just to get both people's sides because I still was in the middle. Like there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't fully sure on. And the way that I felt that a lot of people said is like, we like Denise. And like so badly, we want to be on Denise's team. We want to believe her. She is this, you know, not, she's relatively new in a lot of ways. She's the underdog. She's a fucking icon. Yet- It's really hard. Even if you agree with her, it's really frustrating when she is clearly just like, you watch the footage and then she's denying what's happening. And it's like, Denise, are you forgetting that we're watching it? Not saying they handled anything right. That's not what I'm saying. But like the level to which she was denying her own actions, not even her wrongdoings, literally just her actions, trying to rewrite history was so off to me. I
1: know. I know. It's true. And at Rina, at some point, we didn't really get into the Brandy stuff yet in this episode, which was interesting because when you think about this season, you think that that's really it. But there was so much more that went on before we even got there. But Rina said this, I honestly don't even remember if it was in this episode or preview or whatever, that Denise, the cover-up is worse than the crime. And I feel like that is true with everything that happens with Denise. The dragging it out and the rewriting history and the kind of manipulating the narrative of what really went down is just a common thread with Denise. And sometimes that ends up being way worse and digging her in a way deeper hole than what actually happened. And it's like you're making all of these situations so much harder and worse for yourself and giving them more things to use against you by twisting it once it's already happened.
0: It was It's prime example of... of- I don't know if this happened in this episode or the preview for next when Teddy's saying, you know, you said that you said worst things to me about Brandy. And she's like, who said that? And it's like, Denise, you literally said that. Right, yeah. I, I, I like Denise. That's the thing. I really, really like her. And I don't think that everybody handled everything right at all. I think, a lot of, I think a lot of people were out to get each other. But it was frustrating to a certain extent. It's like, come on, we want to be on your side, but you're making it impossible because you're straight up, like, that was gaslighting. Rena wasn't wrong. She was, that's exactly what she was doing. Right. And even if if Denise was just
1: honest about these things, whether the things that she did or said or shitty or made her look bad, everyone would respect her so much more for just telling the truth and being blunt and honest, which she claims that she is and is being a straight shooter. Then trying to like weave this web, like, who do you think you're fooling? And what I thought was interesting, too, was Erica was, Erica never really holds back, but she was fucking furious. The comment that she had made at lunch when Denise wasn't there, like, well, she doesn't think they know about threesomes, you know, if they haven't had one already. Making a reference to all teenagers, like if she doesn't think her teenagers know. And Denise took it as her teenagers, which she was like, why are you talking about my kids having sex? And Erica was really hurt by that. And and Denise is like, yeah, of course I thought that. And, or I, yeah, you, I thought it was about my kids. And Erica's like, well, that's convenient for you. Like as if D- Denise always picks the more convenient option. They also were saying that they feel like Denise is happy that all the fans are on Twitter and Instagram are coming for them because she like gets a high out of it. And then this was really interesting. They pull up a tweet. I love when they pull up a tweet. That oh my God, this Denise, was so good. This was so good. Yes, keep going. So good. So they pull up a tweet that Denise had liked. She didn't even retweet it or respond to it. She had merely liked it. And it, the tweet says absolutely fire at Lisa Rinna. She's not only a bully, but quote claim. She's not racist. There's proof in photos that says otherwise go pat your puss somewhere else and take Erica Jane with you. Has Erica Jane apologized to Sammy and Lola or to add Denise Richards. So Denise liked that tweet, which just is interesting guys these housewives are getting tagged in hundreds of thousands of tweets a week people live tweet the episodes give their opinion they go hard so they have things coming in all all the time not that i'm defending denise but i do see like they're not reading through all of them she probably saw the first or the second line or something and liked it they are going through and liking things all the time that's not an excuse But I do think it was interesting that they brought this up. So Denise liked that tweet. And Rinna said, you like to tweet that in a public forum. And because Bravo fucking called you and said, take it down. So they probably made her unlike it. I just thought this was interesting that they were like so caught up on a tweet that Denise liked because she won't express her opinion out loud that this was the only way that they could get into her head. And it was on such a public forum that so many people saw.
0: Right. And Denise's claim back was that she didn't read the whole tweet when she liked it.
1: Right. right. Which I, I genuinely, like I said, I honestly see how that could happen, but I don't think she realized the, how the toll that that could take and how much that weight that that carries. Just no. liking a tweet. It's not just liking a tweet when it has really spewing evil, mean things about firing Lisa Rinna from the show. And it,
0: it, it's, it's heavy no it's totally heavy and like if she did it with I know they say like intention doesn't matter it's impact I get it totally and it was wrong but I I really genuinely believe I think of Denise in a lot of ways like I think of Sonia when it comes to social like I don't think she's that savvy with this type of stuff I, I believe her call me naive like I know it's a very easy cop out I do not think I don't think that she was if she was gonna take a single handed approach to take down Lisa Rinna it was gonna be by liking a fan's tweet I just don't see it call me crazy I'm sorry I understand why they were mad at her but like I don't think that she was vicious had vicious intent I really just don't
1: I think they were giving her way more credit and she probably was like what like what's Twitter?" you know I just yeah ridiculous the last thing was Andy summed it up really well he was just saying like are you trying to change your image because last season you were like wild sex this sex that Aaron's penis this Aaron's penis that strip clubs happy endings like that was that was literally her persona last season. And now she's really shying away from it in a way thats it feels like she, it's like criminal. And everyone's like, we like that about you. And now she literally won't even mention it and it just felt weird. And I thought Andy saying that was really interesting when Denise was so open last season. And now it feels like she's trying to backpedal.
0: Yeah. She's trying to backpedal because it's convenient. You know what I mean? Like it just is. It makes her the argument more, her argument have more credibility. I don't know. I like that side of her. I like the, the ability to be sex positive and to be open. And I understand what she's saying. I'm not a mother. I don't know what that's like to have the kid element there. I totally get it, but she made that decision. So then to kind of make the other women feel crazy for wanting to continue the persona that you put out, it do, it does seem a little bit unfair. I love Denise's outgoing energy in that regard.
1: Me too. I wish. I think a big part of it is this brandy situation. She wants everyone to forget how open and how experimental she seemed, so that the brandy thing seems a little bit like more unlikely in a way. But you can't. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, we don't just forget. Like we know who you are as a person, and you just trying to be so crim and proper this season isn't going to change what we think about you and what we've gathered about you and your relationship in the past. Like she's trying to shy away from it so that the brandy stuff seems more unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. it's just like not working. Like I love Denise. And honestly, at this point, I don't think anyone believes her anymore. I think they want to believe her and they wish she handled this differently. I think everyone thinks the Brandy thing is true and they're more upset about how she handled it than what actually happened. No one has a right to be upset about it. It's her life. It's just how it went down. That's more upsetting.
0: I think everybody, see the thing that I'm kind of realizing and like, and this is not, this is of course not a full statement. There are people that are very strong on either side, but like, I think what a lot of people feel is that Nobody, not one person, in the entire franchise handled any of this stuff fully right. There's nobody that you can say 100% performed right, which is like totally normal. Clearly, it's a housewives, but it was it was hard because there was such to me there was such hypocrisy on both sides. All in all, and I don't know. It's it's hard as a viewer in a lot of ways.
1: It's hard because I find myself watching scenes and disagreeing with everybody. It's honestly weird. It's the thing where I feel like this should have never been brought up. This entire thing shouldn't have been brought up in the first place. So then once it was thrown in their lap, I do understand they were like, what do we do with this now? Like they were put it all in hard position. And I think now looking back, they all 100% would have dealt with it differently. But in the moment they were like, what we're stuck.
0: Right. I mean, here's the thing though, and this is kind of what I wanted to to mention. I I know we're going a little longer than we anticipated, but fuck it. There's this movement, half movement happening. I think most people are on the page of like, Teddy can, you know, take her or leave her, but there's this movement that I've been noticing of people saying, listen, we want a shakeup. We want Garcelle, Denise and Sutton, and that's it. And then there are the other people saying, you know, absolutely not. You need to keep some of the OGs. This was a particularly different kind of um, plot line. I feel personally like I I like the like I will personally I love having Lisa Rinna on. There is zero percent part of me that wants could see a uh, could see a season being better without Lisa. I think she adds such an element. Even Erica, who yeah, Erica's not the most emotionally vulnerable, but she has these little zingers, and I appreciate them. And so I think that you have to be careful what you wish for. It's kind of what we were saying with Ramona. I disagree with pretty much every single thing Ramona does, but to pray for her to be off the show, I'm telling you, I don't necessarily think that it's the right move because she had such a level of entertainment. And like, that's not how I feel about Rinna. I agree with a lot of the stuff she does. I just also think she the entertainment, but I think that we all have to take a step back and be like, this was an exhausting season for a lot of reasons, but maybe let's not fully confuse that with how we think about the OGs because- People's big thing is like Kyle's in bed with the producers. That's what a lot of people say on Twitter. Kyle's in bed with the producers. The whole thing was staged. She knew about the Brandy thing ahead of time, which like very possible, who knows? I just personally still don't know. I can't. I don't want her off. I Sue me. I want to, Garcelle, Denise, I want them to all stay, get rid of Teddy, add one other person in Teddy's place and that would be my ideal. I know it's not a popular opinion. That's just how I feel.
1: I 100% agree with you. I mean, we have this discussion with every franchise. It's not unique to Beverly Hills. Whether It's hard because you want to only keep people that you agree with. As a viewer, though, you have to step back and realize if you if we only have people that you agree with or that you like, it doesn't make the show interesting. So you have to separate yourself as a viewer and as a person. Only having housewives that you would yourself personally want to be friends with may be fun to watch their lives but it may not bring the drama it's give and take with every franchise having ogs there is whether you like them or not it does bring an element to the show of i don't i don't know what it is it's just like it just makes it more elite not elite like more serious like there's some longevity to it instead of having a whole cast of newer women i don't know i it's really hard to say we're going to get into the more Denise and brandy stuff this wasn't even the reunion where it was brought up but um yeah I mean this was a wild part one like this is part one imagine what two and three are gonna be I can't wait to see what happens
0: I absolutely cannot wait. Okay.
1: Whew, okay. Okay. Let's do a quick Potomac recap because obviously New York was the finale and Beverly Hills was the first part of the reunion. This was just episode five or five or six of Potomac. So we're just easing into the season. There's not too much to say. It wasn't a overwhelmingly dramatic episode. I mean, every episode of Potomac in my eyes is epic. And I just want to say the amount of DMs I've gotten of people that I convinced to start I I didn't think anyone, would. I thought maybe one or two people, so many of you guys started it and are loving it, which just like when you recommend a show to someone, like when we made Emma watch Euphoria and it changed her life, you just feel a sense of accomplishment.
0: First of all, as you should, Isabel, you are seriously changing the game in terms of getting people's interest up in different Bravo shows. And I really appreciate it. But I also want to say, because we had to pre-record our Bravo segment for Sunday's episode, like We didn't get to touch on Potomac. So this was already last Sunday. So I understand if you're listening to this, you don't really want to hear that much because it was that long ago. So that's why we're not going to get that in depth. And also there are some episodes that are just means to an end. And that's exactly what this one was. It wasn't that it was bad, but it was gearing us up for next week because this Ashley, this Ashley Michael shit, woo baby.
1: No, Ashley. I, I mean, I only want footage of two things and this episode had both of them. Number one, Monique's life. I just want to have a camera on Monique at all times. Her homes, her fucking adorable kids, her relationship with Chris. We got it all in this episode. She is a goddamn host, let me tell you that. Like, she knows how to host. She is changing the linen. She's assigning rooms. She has the chef there, beautifully catered. They pull up to her lake house, and there's monogrammed gates waiting for you. Like- I just, I love her so much and I love when we get to experience her luxurious life and I'm, this is what I signed up for. I love it so much.
0: Love it so much. Also, when she was like, this room, just this kind of house just seems like a Giselle and Robin. I was like, I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I love I love where your head's at, Monique.
0: Yeah, Um, love it.
1: (laughs) One thing that we both were laughing about before they got, even got to the lake was when Karen shows up to Monique's house and this is like kind of a moment you've been waiting five seasons to happen. They give Karen like 30 seconds of her confessional, just talking about how fucking crazy Giselle dresses at all times. Karen goes, Giselle and Monique are chummy. I just hope Giselle's fashion sense doesn't rub off on Monique. Thank God Giselle is a good looking woman because goddamn she can't dress at all. I'm ashamed to be seen with her sometimes, to be honest. I don't know what she's going to wear. I got a headache talking about Giselle's clothes. And she's like, does anyone have an Exedrin or an Advil?
0: <laughs> I, You can ask Carly because we watched it together. I was hysterically laughing. Like, it's very rare that I audibly laugh at Housewives. And it was just like, Karen's fucking speaking it like it is. But, you know, I will respect someone who beats to their own job, I guess. I, I can say that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Another thing about this episode, one really interesting thing was... The past four episodes, because this is the first season that we've seen Ashley as a mom, have been really talking about her struggles leaving the baby and kind of easing back into her normal life and having a lot of separation and being really anxious just about the world, which I get. I mean, listen, we're both not moms, but I 100% get it. And everything she had said just seems totally normal, like what a lot of mothers go through. But this one minute scene of Michael and Ashley in their bedroom while she was packing for the trip gave me a lot of insight into the dynamic that is going down in their house and kind of, it. it you felt like on top of what she probably was already feeling, it really felt like. Michael was also pressure giving her a lot of pressure and guilt that she probably naturally was feeling already he needs to be with you while you're gone you know you couldn't leave him for 3 days it's not good for the baby to be away from his mom for 3 days and i think kind of just stressing what she probably already felt but then to hear it out loud from your husband i was like of course she doesn't want to leave the house of course she doesn't want to go out not only does she feel that inside but she's also hearing it from her husband like she's never going to want to go out to dinner again
0: I was so uncomfortable by this. I'm not a mom, don't know what it's like, but I do know that a lot of, you know, you know, all my cousins have young kids and like they all experience this m- mom guilt so strongly. And the one thing that they've all said to me is like their husbands, they, their husbands cannot contribute to that guilt or that shame because like that's when it really sends them over the edge. And I felt like it was really uncalled for. I felt like it was really unsupportive. I felt like it was contributing to her anxiety and also by the way, I can't help but feel like now, you know, towards the end of this episode, when we get a preview as to what's to come, was he saying that for his own now selfish reasons? Because if so, that adds a whole other layer of how fucked up that is. I, I did not like it. I, I would got, I really got skeeved out by that. He just, I, I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the thing. It was like, first you feel so upset that he's making her feel so bad and pressuring her that she has to take the baby or else. Like, by the way, it's 50% yours too. Like he, you maybe could take care of him, but it felt like he wanted to secure that he would be alone that weekend, which obviously we will see. It just was like, it was just overall weird. The last thing also involving Ashley was the last point of this trip when they're at Monique's lake house and Ashley and Wendy, the new housewife, kind of get into it because Wendy's upset that Wendy also has a baby who is two weeks younger or older, I forget, than Dean, Ashley's child. And Ashley brings Dean and her best friend to watch him. And Wendy is kind of upset that she had to really sacrifice a lot. She had to breastfeed. She had to pump. She had to make arrangements for her daughter and her kids that she went through all of that and Ashley was there, which by the way, I don't feel like was Ashley's fault. Monique had said she could come. Like she was she knew she was nervous and said she could come. But Wendy, you could feel her pain. Like she was pissed and seeing Ashley there with her kid, the same age, probably really just like hit a nerve with her.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. It was it also, was like a lot of misdirected stuff. And I think that they were coming at it from different places. Like I think Wendy's upset was less about, Ashley and Monique and more about like her own stuff that she was feeling internally. And then Ashley was coming at, it was just the whole thing was misguided and towards the end they resolved that and it was kind of clear, but it was, yeah, I agree with you completely.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then, but that was like the whole thing was then later at dinner, Robin's like, so if you admit that your delivery was wrong and that you had misguided frustration, Like, can't you apologize? And Wendy just didn't want to apologize. Imagine she's like, people like, you don't call me Wendy. People like, you call me Dr. Wendy. Address me correctly, sweetie. I was like, yes, we have a doctor in the fucking house now. Wendy's the first housewife in all time to have a doctorate. And the fact that she pulls this out in like her first or second episode, I was just, I was clapping, honestly, whether I thought she was right or wrong. I was just like, yeah, you tell her, call you doctor.
0: I so agree. And can I say two other things? Yes. I was getting, I know it was just a flashback to whenever it was, but when they did the flashback to Giselle meeting with um, Juan, uh, oh my God. Robin's I wanted to say, listen, I know Robin and Giselle are two peas in a pod. You cannot be asking her advice. Ask literally any other woman. You cannot be asking her advice in terms of any sort of like jewelry or aesthetics or like anything yes. fashion related.
1: Yes, but Giselle's idea was actually good to get like the 24. 24- stones around a ring because she does know Robin like Robin doesn't want something big and flashy and beautiful so I did think that was a good suggestion but you're right I wanted to be like please one like can you consult one maybe one or two other
0: people also just to be safe right, Just like have, have Monique on deck and the other thing I was going to say and you know I get that Monique likes this bird you know good for her I'm telling you, Isabel, this is not me. I'm not over-exaggerating. That would be a deal breaker for me. It was kind of like when I was a kid and I had a really bad experience with a dog growing up. I'm no longer afraid. But the deal was like, if I was sleeping at someone's house, they would have to make sure that they would hold the dog when I came in because if it came on me, I'd have like an anxiety attack. I would have to make sure I would say to Monique, I love you. I am so happy that you have this relationship with this bird. But if you want me to come to this lake house for the weekend, it needs to stay in the cage because I will not be able to enjoy myself because I'm going to have a terrible fear of it attacking me. I can't do birds. I got attacked once. I can't even talk about it. I can't. I can't do birds like that. And I, when that thing started flying, Isabel, you would have thought it was in my own house. I can't handle it. Were you like covering your ears? Like Carly saw me. Carly was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "That was so fucking traumatic." Yes. First of all, T'Challa
1: literally has his own social media accounts. And I feel like I under, I hear his voice when he chirps because she posts about him so much and he almost flew away. But then he came back. Also, just complete side note, Monique is a potty training. She's gifted. I don't know what it is. She has her six month old potty trained. She has her bird potty trained like she just came out with a book about it. She was gifted. Her God put her on this earth to help other people potty train, and that's the goddamn truth.
0: Yep, I completely, completely agree with you. She's just, uh, she's, I'm just really a fan of hers all around. I love her.
1: Last thing I swear, last thing was when they're playing this quote curiosity game to like go deeper and hear about each other. You know, they're asking pretty light questions like, "Oh, like what, Candace? What were you like as a school kid?" and um, Robin, are you going to get back with Juan? And then fucking Karen goes, Giselle, since Jamal cheated on you and had babies with other women, how is it being back with a man who did that? I'm curious. I was like, whoa, Karen, oh you did that. <laughs> I know. We went from zero to 100. There's just so much that happens. There's so much that goes on and there's so many dynamics going back and forth and so many little digs and who said this and who said that? And Giselle is literally the connector because you will say to her I thought this person wasn't nice to me and then she'll call that person and say she said she, you didn't think she was nice to you and then they hash it out and then it's over so it's just oh I love Potomac so much please watch it if you haven't watched it already it's the best and the plot lines with Michael Darby in season three and four are the best that Bravo has ever seen so that's all folks
0: Oh how do you feel? Is there anything else that you want to add about anything? No, I think
1: that's it. I mean, oh, another thing about Potomac, though, is these women can tweet. Like when I if trying to do those Twitter roundups, you get a whole other episode after the episode because Candace alone will tweet at least 600 times and they reply to each other. So there's just this is what we gotta love about Bravo. There is never a shortage of content. With the real celebrity world, quote, real celebrities, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if it's interesting? Who knows if we'll care about it? I always care about this. And you, will, you could sit up all day and night reading and watching and you'll never run out.
0: No, you'll never run out. That is why thank you to all of you guys for just honestly being as interested as we are to be able to give us the time and the platform to discuss this. I feel like this is a dream come true as well. And I feel like you and I, I don't know, to be able to have a more long form discussion and not feel so rushed is such a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm so glad we get to do this together
1: me too and obviously this is our first like solo episode doing this it'll probably change depending on what happens over time what what shows are on and also if you have feedback just dm it to us and we'll if you want more real time stories more tweets i mean obviously it depends what goes on but it we're going to learn as we go
0: of course, that's what I'm saying. We're going to learn as we go. And I listened back to earlier podcasts that Julie and I did. I'm like, holy fuck, that was terrible. So yeah, it's our first one. Please be gentle with us. Please please, God the room, you I, don't, do. I, I like can't take it. I, I was like, yeah, I can't. I, I, I realized that I'm like a little bit more sensitive than I think I imagine. I think it's around my, when I'm getting my period. I I don't know. I just cannot deal with some, have people are just so mean sometimes. And it's not even to us. I just notice it and I'm just like, I can't. So please just be gentle with us. I We're happy to hear any constructive criticism, but please just do it in the form of a DM or an email and we're happy to adjust. Um, But this was so much fun and I just love you so much. I love you more. Okay. We will see you guys next week and Julie and I will see you on Monday for our regular episode.